0: All right. So today we are back together, Jennifer, Jenny, and myself to have a conversation that is part three of the conversations that we've been having now. And I really enjoyed the last two. We started with a conversation about marriage, and then we had a conversation about um, non-monogamy, polyamory, and that sort of branched off and we wanted to look at the topic of beauty a little bit. And So it's these are sort of they're not non sequitur they're sequitur but they're they're sort of tangential from one another and it's been an evolving thing so thank you both for being here and for for taking part in this and I guess the the idea of beauty I, it has a lot of there's a lot to say about that we Jennifer you and I have talked about architecture before we had a conversation once on a solid ground live stream about how architecture has really changed in modern American life anyway. And it feels like beauty is the lowest priority. Like I've noticed this thing with the 5G towers that that went up all over the place. And I think that's so aesthetically offensive. Couldn't we have thought of a pretty way to do that if we were going to put these giant towers that everybody had to look at? Couldn't we design them in a pretty way? And it seems like it's a very low priority right now. But that's just architecture.
1: Yeah.
0: So what thoughts come yeah. up for you guys about beauty?
2: Well, actually, I don't have any, really any thoughts on architecture, but um, I do think that w- there's been a concerted effort in the last, I don't know, hundred years, 50 years to retrain our eye and our brain to perceive things that would have been considered ugly to be beautiful in terms of building anyway. Um, mm-hmm like when I look at modern architecture that is considered to be like the height of um, the art, you know, I, am like, where's the beauty in it? But I, I I know that other people think that it's like absolutely gorgeous and that ornate um, kind of classical or Baroque or whatever other forms, like from the olden times are considered gauche or vulgar or something. So I think we've actually tried, there's been a concerted effort to retrain the human perception of what beauty even is now i think that's probably true for how we perceive beauty in other people not just in buildings and in art um but i don't know if we'll ever fully be able to retrain our brains because i think our perception of, of what makes another human beautiful is more maybe more complex and more deeply rooted in our even biology but Um, yeah, I mean, I know lots of people, I mean, not lots, but I've, I have known people over the years that think the most brutalist architecture, uh, the most kind of like oppressive to me, kind of bureaucratic buildings are like the most stunning buildings. And I'm just, I just don't get it, but that's just me. Maybe I'm just a, a pleb. Uh,
1: Pleb you.
2: (laughs) I'm a Philistine or whatever I am. Yeah. Right.
1: (laughs) I feel like um, there's, you know, there's just, I feel like architecture creates such a mood and experience. And so I actually care what kind of buildings go up around me. And I live in a planned community of uh, somewhere between, I guess, like 62 and 63,000 people called Reston. It's about 45 minutes out of Washington, D.C. And it was started uh, in the sixties by, I think Robert, I think his name was Robert. Uh, I can't remember Robert Smith or something I'm blanking out, but anywho, um, it was designed specifically to have a lot of open green spaces and recreation spaces. So there's, you know, beautiful lakes and walking trails and the houses in any neighborhood are, you know, sort of all within a similar range. It's um, You know, I mean, I think for some people, it might be a little Stepford-y in certain neighborhoods, but I really, I really, really enjoy it. But in the past few years, they've started to build um, a lot of high rises that are completely out of keeping with um, the original plan of Reston. And they are also um, really out of scale for the space that they're in. They'll take a really small space and just stick three high rises on it. And it is, to me, utterly hideous. And then you see the smaller, older buildings that were built in the 70s right next to them. So it's looking higgledy-piggledy. It's looking very off. And to me, it's just this horrible intrusion into what was a really uh, beautiful and kind of laid back space. All the buildings were originally kept really low. Like you seldom saw anything over four stories. And now there's all these massive ugly rectangles that they are throwing up so fast you wouldn't Mm -hmm. believe it it's just you know it's i I understand the need to make money but i feel like these these developers are just taking these giant shits and fashioning them into buildings and then going on their happy way and the rest of us have to look at them for the rest of our lives Mm -hmm. and it's um there's just nothing emotionally beautiful, like evocative. I look for things, for me, beauty is something that evokes an internal response and it does yeah. it without any thought. It's instantaneous, it's yeah. um, involuntary. And um, I, I don't have that when I see those buildings. I have kind of a, oh, I feel a little bit of a cringe because there are some places where I remember sitting at stoplights and gazing out at the sky and feeling restful while I waited for the light to change. And now there's a giant gray rectangular thing blocking the sky. Um, And it gives me a weird, it's strange. Physiologically, I have a reaction. It gives me like a blocked feeling in my chest, I notice. Mm. Whereas I used to sit at the light and have an expansive feeling. So I think these things have more of an impact on our psyches than we think.
2: Yes. I think what you just said there, Jen, about what beauty Evokes and, and how it's instinctive and it's you don't think about it it just happens and it's not it's not intentionally provoked by the the thing that is the beauty the source of the beauty I think that's completely nails it on the head like I think that's exactly what beauty is in human form as well as in building form which is I think probably what we um, initially planned on talking about because like that's exactly what it is it's like you when your eyes fall upon the object of beauty there you it provokes this. This, it's almost like it casts a spell on the person who sees it. And it's a very complex set of, then, of reactions that then happens. It's incredibly complex. And I don't think anyone talks about it, giving it the credit that it deserves, given how complex and how powerful it is. Especially when it's a human. I mean, a building, a building, a painting, a painting, a landscape, a landscape. But when it's a person... Mm-hmm and you're looking face to face at a person or at the at their image on a television screen or in a on a on a computer or in a magazine it really literally i think casts it can cast a spell on the beholder absolutely
0: it's that's really interesting i think that the what what makes something beautiful and what makes a person beautiful is an interesting idea concept like we i feel like maybe something that's happening right now in our culture is I've wondered if maybe we we're experiencing some sort of a pendulum swing from the, the hyper produced glossy beauty of the, say the nineties, the, and the eighties the with all the supermodels coming in. Yeah. And this was very important <clears throat> advertising all these images. And we had, so we had like these culture wars over whether models were too thin and whether they were too perfect, whether this was setting up an example that young girls couldn't handle. And then it just kept pushing into where we've got, then you've got the social media and the, the imagery that lets everybody be that model. Everybody who wants to produce themselves or use filters or, or use special angles on their selfie camera can, can project an image of themselves that looks as, as beautiful as possible out there for other people to admire and can can kind of own a piece of that beauty for a little while but then there's this emptiness that comes from looking at that and knowing that it's this glossy false image that it doesn't really depict who you actually are you don't really possess that kind of beauty and so that's just and that's just talking about a superficial beauty and i'm sure there's a lot of different angles to look at that and then there's the beauty of being with a person and they become more and more beautiful to you you know as you you know, enter into a romantic relationship with someone who at first you're trying to figure out what are the boundaries of my attraction for this person? Is there much attraction? I don't know. I, maybe I like these things, but maybe I'm not so sure. And then after a while, you notice that this person is the most beautiful person you've ever looked at. And so there's, I, you know, and that's just a bunch of different thoughts that I'm having about human beauty. But we do have this, Jenny, I thought it was really interesting how you talked about this sort of movement of training ourselves to see the, see things that are not beautiful as beautiful. And how does that relate to human beauty? And what are we doing right now in that regard? Because it does seem like maybe there's some element of that going on.
2: Yeah, I, I think there definitely is. I mean, I think there's so many examples of how humans are becoming, um, are, are sort of flaunting a very weird and unprecedented version of beauty. Well I mean all of this is unprecedented because we didn't have such powerful imagery before, right? I mean beauty has been a fixation of all cultures, at least all western cultures that I can think of, literally since I I've you know since the Greeks or before. I mean we've always had engravings and etchings and and women and men and male beauty and female beauty and the ideals and that's always been with us. So that's not new. But what's new is that we have these very powerful images that are constantly bombarding our eyeballs Mm -hmm. and we have them from the minute, almost the minute we are born into this world. People are taking pictures of us all the time. I mean, I must have like 30,000 pictures of my one kid. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, so we're just an image soaked society. And I think that's a quote from Susan Sontag, if I'm not mistaken, like that, the phrase has always stayed with me. Um, but now i mean that's that's just the, that's just the most basic form of it but now i feel like what's happening is that we have hyper um hyperpigmented or hyper hyperplastified uh, the, the the female form in particular so we have so you know in the 80s we had um what was that uptown girl christy brinkley and then in the 90s we had pamela anderson and now we have basically like what they they look like sex dolls like young women who have fake tits and really ugly weaves i hope these girls aren't paying money for these weaves but they're rich so i'm assuming they're paying real money for them they look like trash they look like they're not human. they're coated in makeup uh, and nail like long fake nails and they wear they were these weird rubber plasticine kind of outfits that you can, I mean, how do you take a piss in this? Like, what, how do you get it off? How I mean, how do you take it off? How does your skin breathe? Like, how do you can you eat even a single peanut without like bloating up? Like they, they, they're horrifying to me. They're horrifying to me to look. And I think I've met, mentioned this girl before because she's the daughter of a, a rock star and she's the stepdaughter of a Kardashian And she's a teenager and she genuinely looks like a sex doll that you would buy in like off the internet. Like she does not look like a human young woman. And of course the Kardashians are I think a really good example as well. And they're an interesting example because specifically, I've never actually watched the show. I've I've watched like two episodes of the show. But I personally think Kim Kardashian in the 2000s when she got famous was extraordinarily beautiful. And now with all of her plastic surgery and her weird fake tits and her weird fake ass and her weird clothes, she's not as beautiful as she was. I mean, she's still, you know, she's very symmetrical and she has some, she has something like I can appreciate as akin to beauty. But whereas her sisters who are the plain ones who got real surgery and have now totally different faces that even the youngest one who's super rich Kylie, I think she's actually been, she, I've seen her on, on Instagram reels that have clipped from the show Saying, you know, if I could go back to my teenage self, I wouldn't have had my lips done. I would not have my fake boobs. And she's in her maybe in her mid-20s. So she's even reassessing how much um, change she's imposed upon her body surgically, and she's regretting it. So you have these, like, r- fembot types. And then on the other end, you have the extreme inversion of that, which is, like, uh, you know, girls cutting off their tits and pretending they're boys and, you know, getting fake penises, like, LARPing as, as males And, and, and this, and in amongst like the indie, what I would have seen is like the indie community, the indie world that I was sort of part in part of in the nineties, there's like an extreme, like puritanical look going on where it's very androgynous, like kind of garbagey clothes. It's not that different to the nineties grunge thing really, but it's just more, it's more. Um, and you know, the the asymmetrical haircuts and like very severe and very plain. So I think, like, because we, we don't have, like, I can't really, th- I mean, there are a few health, I would call healthy examples of beauty just because people who are young, who are reasonably fit, who have nice hair, but everyone has, like, this exaggerated persona now that I don't really see any kind of natural, especially amongst women, any natural beauty. And I think men have it, too. I mean, we have these weird bodybuilders who pretend, like, they only eat liver and, like, all this nonsense like everyone has this we 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 have this warped visual and you're absolutely right Leslie when you said that you know these these are like the these images just keep they shape us as well as 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 then we try to imic, mimic them
0: yeah that's so interesting yeah and it's so it's across this wide range of different like aesthetics as you're describing yeah. this. And the, when you're talking about the the young girls who have like sex dolls and the people who've done this dramatic plastic surgery, like when I think of Kardashian, I think of that weird body shape where yes. they don't have upper hip fat. They just have like yeah. that rounded, like lower so that they're this perfectly hourglass with the big wide hips, but in a, in a really artificial sort of way, Yeah, there's no, there's no nuance to the curve. It's just boom. And so I'm like, what is that thing anyway? And that's a strange body. It's a strange aesthetic. Like who came up with that being some kind of an ideal? And yeah, the the one thing I've thought before is you see these people, you see the, the artifice, the extreme plastic surgery, and it can look good in a glossy image. It looks, it's made for image it's made for tv or for for right phone camera or for instagram or whatever but then if you see right. it in real life it's really strange they don't look yeah. right i mean there's it's a it's kind of an uncanny valley kind of a thing where this doesn't this no longer reads quite human this is very strange it's like um but you know have where's what's the spectrum so there's a spectrum of of aesthetic intervention, say for women that goes from, I do nothing at all, or I cut my hair to, I wear makeup. I put on mascara to, you know, I use um, contour all the way down to, I got a nose job and then to, I, I dye, you know, or I, or I dye my hair, then I get a nose job and then I got my boobs done. And then, you know, so there, there's a spectrum. It's, it's not so simple. Like one thing is too much what, where is, what is too much and is there such a thing as too much? And at what point have you altered something to the point where, I don't know. I don't even know what the question is. It's just, it's a strange thing. We, we, we want to control and improve and project, but what are we doing when we do that? There's, you know, are we trying to look younger? Are we trying to be more, are we trying to signal to a crowd that we like? are we just trying to blast out attractiveness and cast the widest net for the most attention? What is happening with those signals?
2: I think that, um, yeah, I think all of the women who are, um, transforming themselves into the sex doll look, uh, are trying to stop time Hmm. and that is a terrible idea. It has not worked for a single celebrity thus far. Um, in fact, if anything, it makes them more mon- it makes them monstrous. Whereas a naturally aged woman is not a monstrous thing to behold. I mean, she's not hot, um, but she's not terrifying like Madonna is. Like I find Madonna, like I feel like I might as well be looking at at Jabba the Hutt. Like I just I'm like repelled by her, like on a visceral level. And I'm disappointed in her lack of wisdom and her lack of integrity that she would um, allow herself to be mauled physically in such a way and still run around like licking teenagers like she's like she's still hot <laughs> shit. I mean, it's like horrifying. I I honestly like I mean, if I was gonna be a conspiracy theorist, my conspiracy would be that some like demon has possessed Madonna and now she's like this deemed, she's a succubus, but an old one, which is like the worst possible combination. (laughs) Um, Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I think because you were saying earlier, like these girls, uh, you know, with, with filters and stuff on social media, that you, you fall in like – it's like the thing of Narcissus where you fall in love with your own image over and over, again, over and over again, over and over again, over and over again, over and over again every day. And then you look in the mirror and it's not the same thing. So you've got this high and this crushing low, this high and this crushing low. And you're constantly comparing yourself to all the other thousands and millions and billions of girls on the internet and boys on the internet and whatever. And it's, it's extremely um, – I mean distracting is like a huge understatement. But the point is that beauty is fleeting. Like, I think of beauty in, in, humans, in human form, like, there's a specific type of beauty that's the most arresting and the most enchanting, and that's the beauty of use, and that, by definition, has to go away. And the longer you chase that, the, the harder you try to hold on to that, by means especially by means of plastic surgery, the more hideous you're going to end up being. And I, I think that's just, like, because when, when, when Madonna a few months ago was, I wrote something got this on Substack, like, and she was going, she was releasing all these um, posts on, on Instagram out of nowhere, and then she, like, fell down the stairs or something, like, there's definitely something weird going on there, <laughs> but, um, and now she's gone silent again, thank God, but, um, you know, all of the comments on her Instagram posts were, almost all of them were negative, and they're like I've been I've loved you since I was a kid you have to stop this please don't do this because she was acting in such a transgressive way but in a bad way like mm-hmm. because old ladies transgressions you don't want them to be sexual okay like you don't want old man transgressions to be sexual like The sexiness of transgression only applies to young people, like literally only applies to young people. After a certain age, (laughs) that shit is just perverted and gross and nobody wants to see it. Nobody wants to see it. So like, but so, so that the, the youth, the beauty of youth, which is so, so, so captivating, literally, it's like, it is like the flower. It, it fades. It's, it's, it's the same as nature. The cherry tree, the blossoms on the cherry tree aren't there all year round. Like am I being trite?
0: No, no, not at all. And I think that that as you're saying that, and I did read your piece on Madonna, and I thought it was excellent. I I was like, absolutely, yes, a hundred percent. So if anybody hasn't seen that, maybe we can link it because I think yeah, it, it that would might, be fun. Might be good. Um, there's something. There's something about the the obsession, the narcissistic. As you say, in the sense of narcissus, in the sense of looking at one's reflection and and being obsessed with one's own beauty, this narcissistic impulse in the young it's like it's like the young person wakes up to their own beauty and then mm-hmm. is fascinated by that and then yes. wants to hold on to that and wants to enhance that and wants to be the most of that and there's there's by yeah. By nature, it's not something that anybody can possess or have all of or anything. It's just something that that one is for a while. And you've got, I'm just, you know, these girls who are as young people take doing all these interventions in order to enhance. And it's like they're candyifying their beauty. It's like turning, yeah. um, like dipping a strawberry in sugar. You think that you can make it more, but by in by messing with it, you're actually ruining what it is, which is this yeah. fragile, lovely thing. And you, you can't cartoonize that and turn it into some anime, you know, filtered AI thing and still retain what it is about that that was so yeah that was so special but but that beauty doesn't change like the cherry tree without the blooms is still a beautiful tree and even in the winter when the leaves are gone and it's just the shapes of the branches it's still got a beauty to it so it's it's just a different thing it's just a different form of itself so it's not that it completely leaves right i don't know there's there's something about that holding on to it too that i i did you guys see the barbie movie I haven't
1: oh, seen it. No,
2: and I am not
0: going to. I don't, My I boyfriend don't made it. me see it. He...
2: And is, I've, I mean, I've heard it's actually good. Is yeah.
0: It? No, it was terrible. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think it was terrible. Uh, yeah, we we went to go see it last night. And, we, and then we ended up talking about it for a few hours afterwards. And he's like, see, that means it was a good movie. There was a lot to talk about. And I'm like, no, it's still bad. It was just thought provoking. <laughs> <laughs> but... There's this this scene where uh the Barbie goes into the real world and she's she's looking around and she's kind of being amazed by the beauty of people and she looks at a tree and she's 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 starting to cry because everything's so poignant for her and she's feeling these emotions and she looks over at an old woman and she says to her you're beautiful and then the old woman says i know it or something like that and it's just this it's kind of a cute moment but I thought that it, it seemed hollow because it, 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 even that seemed like, so I found the Barbie character herself to be quite shallow and yet she was supposed to be somewhat profound because she's having these thoughts about existentialism and death and whatnot. But I found her character to be pretty shallow. Um, And it felt like it was more, that scene was more about her being able to appreciate the beauty in this old woman and the contrast is really stark because there's this old woman who's very um, frumpy and not trying at all. I mean, not, not glam at all. She's just living her life. She's sitting, reading a book. And then next to her is Barbie, who is really saccharine pink, beautiful, beautiful girl, lots of makeup, great outfit, done up. And the scene was about how this beautiful girl could appreciate the beauty in somebody older but it was about how beautiful she is for being able to appreciate that beauty you know what i mean
2: right Right. yes i know exactly what you mean um that's like a that's a shortcut that's not a that's that's like virtue signaling looking for brownie Like, look how I'm so beautiful, but I'm also like so virtuous and amazing. And I'm I'm deep, you know. And I'm so deep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's hard though when you're in the in your youthful peak. Uh, I think it's kind of hard. So this is the thing about beauty. It is a double-edged sword. I think, whilst it gives you a lot of power, it also makes you a huge target, and I um, for resentment and unwanted attention. And because it, it provokes that reaction, that emotion, in the, in the in the other person, like right off the bat, you cannot they, they people react to the beautiful person in very unpredictable ways that can either be either fawning and flattering, or threatening, or menacing, or je- jealous and full of resentment. So it's it's really it's it's actually a quite it's actually a, a weapon that can be used for and against the person. Um, and I've definitely noticed that, like looking just being being a female myself. And having been through phases where I was like more beautiful and less beautiful, um, like even my own relationship with my own image has been like incredibly multifaceted. And I have like this is this is how powerful I think an image of a beautiful face is when I was a little kid, when I was like a baby and a toddler and a three year old. It was in the 70s and the 80s, and it was just it was just film, right? But I I was, and it's going to sound super big headed, but I I was a beautiful kid. I was a beautiful baby. I had like big blue blue eyes and pale skin and curly curly hair, like a lot of curly hair. And when I was like in my teens and in my in my in my in my from like 10, 11, 12, 13, if I would if I would look through photo albums and I saw pictures of my own face as like a three year old, I would get the same pang of unhappiness and a sense of inadequacy that i would get if i saw a picture of a, of a model oh wow because wow. even it was me i was looking at myself but i because you weren't measuring like, up
0: to your own self
2: i wasn't measuring up to my own self and i wasn't like i was like you know everyone goes through different stages of how they look and i i, I mean just in terms of i'm just starting to. Like, pure like symmetry and and like not, i'm not talking about like attractiveness or hotness obviously because i was a kid but like just i just felt such a a, a pang of longing for that beautiful face mm-hmm. that my mm-hmm. own face no longer looked like that it made me sad and that mm-hmm. i was looking at myself mm-hmm. so never mind looking at other people who are on mm-hmm. like the celebrities and you know looking at looking at beyonce you're like oh my god what an incredibly stunningly beautiful woman this is And you know you'll you will net you the sense of it just immediately engenders a sense of inadequacy unless you can train yourself out of that and this and you can get to a point of like mature reflection and that's hard because that's that that is hard it's hard to get to a point of mature reflection so I think that so you you your you can your own beauty can make you help hate yourself yeah you know what I mean yeah and so so if if you're if every person who has eyes and can see their own reflection and can see the, 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 the other, how other people look is going to struggle with this process just in terms of looking at other people, right. In real life, then how can we, how can we deal with how bombarded we are with images at all times? Like that to me is a really good question. Cause like, if me looking, if 11 year old me looking at three year old me produced longing and sadness how the hell are eleven-year-olds coping with all of the visuals that they're getting?
0: Oh yeah, well that's the modern—that's the modern spin on this, and how this right. the image-based, as you're saying. That I—I think that's that's really a great way to frame it. This this obsession with images, but there's also the over time, like the woman's relationship to aging and and changing, yeah. and you know, in midlife, you have been through a lot of phases at this point. And so we've all, all of us we are at this midpoint forties and fifties where you start to, you, you know, you're not who you used to be in a lot of ways. And how do you, how do you come to terms with that? And I, in my own, my mom, I watched her go through this. My mom was a really beautiful young woman and had a lot of other problems in her life, a lot of family issues and other things. And for for lots of complicated reasons, ended up really closely identifying with that as something that was important about her. That was something mm-hmm. good about her. That's one of the only things of value she had for the world is how she would have felt. And so being really beautiful, there was this this there's this desperation to it. So when you start to lose that, yes. you don't go it's like the Madonna thing where you don't go gently into the into the aging process. and she didn't do any plastic surgery ever, but she did she went through her own changes. And she really struggled with that. And I can remember being only like, I guess, I guess I would have been like a preteen, which my mom was 20 when I was born. So this is a woman in her early thirties, maybe early to mid thirties, who was already just so sad and crying about the appearance of lines and looking at her skin. And there's this, this grief before the process even really has, has taken hold. You're still young, but you're, you're feeling the loss of something that's so important to you. So that that looking at, like you're describing something different a little bit when you're looking at a three-year-old you, this beautiful child, and you're in your 11-year-old awkward phase and you're all kinds of uncomfortable with yourself. So you see something that's pure and beautiful there and you long for that. But there's also that process throughout life, like the, the oh, 40-year-old totally. woman looking back at herself at yes. 20 and going, oh my God, how, why didn't yes. I appreciate
2: I'm 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 having that now. Actually, yeah. similar. I mean, it's not as powerful because I have more points of reference and I'm busier, so I don't I don't dwell on it. But I mm-hmm. like I do have that now. If I if I see a, a photograph of myself when I was 24 yeah. or something, I get I get a similar like jolt of like, uh, it, it's yeah. it's um it's some it's something <laughs> it's definitely well, something.
1: And that's the question too, right? Okay, so why why don't we appreciate it more when we're young and stunning and I mean to me there's something tragic about it, not about getting old, but by how women relate to themselves. The just the pressure that's put on women but then it seems to get completely internalized and i don't want to say that women are the victims of it entirely because i think women are also like sort of the biggest perpetrators of it yeah um and we're doing it to ourselves and we're doing it to each other yes and and i just think god damn it life is short and it's too short for this and you kind of look the way you look and you can you can tweak it. There's nothing wrong with that. I am not against plastic surgery. Dye your hair hot pink if you like. Whatever. Have fun with it. But I mean, you're here to live. And you know, I watched that documentary about um, Pamela Sue Anderson, and mm-hmm. she um, I quite liked her. But you know, she was already a very shapely, voluptuous woman. And she got so much attention for that. And that's what launched her career. And then she felt this need to exaggerate her breasts and get something that kind of turned her into a caricature. And then she became frustrated. That's all that people were interested in. Um, But she also put it out there as that was the most important thing about her. So this women have a really difficult time. And this is where I have a lot of compassion because it's like this constant struggling of, You know, you don't want to be objectified, but then in a way you do because you get certain rewards from it. And so where do you land? And you do get a lot of criticism. If you dress just slightly a bit more uh less tailored, tight clothing, you easily can get called a frump. And then people assume you're hiding your body because you don't like it, or you have low Mm self-esteem, dress in something a little too revealing. Maybe you're really insecure. Maybe you're desperate. Maybe you're a hoe. Maybe other women shouldn't trust you because you're out for their man. I mean, it's kind of like, (laughs) I think you better bloody well suit yourself.
0: It's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You
1: are. I mean, you absolutely are. And I have been harassed in no matter what I'm wearing. I mean, huge, oversized, baggy, sloppy clothes. And I'm just running an errand and I haven't even combed my hair. And I look like, you know, so you know you only have so much control over that anyhow I think I think people just need to live their lives and I I really um I just I don't think I share the same societal ideas about aging like I just don't think it's this terrible thing to be avoided I don't. And, and even saying that, if somebody wants plastic surgery on their face, they want to have a facelift because, hey, that's just fun and all look different. Yeah. Do it. But this this fear of it and this sort of shaming about it and like, like you're doing something wrong. You're letting yourself go. You're not supposed to be doing it. Um, I just think it's fucking ridiculous. And maybe it's that we, we have trouble with impermanence. We When we like something, we want it to stay the same. And that is not life. It's not true right. of anything. Everything's impermanent, everything's always changing and we aren't any different.
2: Mm-hmm. Jen, where do you think you, how, how do you think you were inculcated against the site worship of youth? Cause that, I think that's a very, that's like the healthiest attitude to have. Where do you think you got that from?
1: Well, I didn't get it from my mom. No. Um, no no absolutely not my mom was constantly looking in the mirror doing this
2: Mm,
1: and saying you know do I look better do I look better how you know how old do I look how old do I look and Mm. um you know really concerned about that to to a greater extent than I think I have seen in most people I think I think I um I think I just, uh, to be blunt, I just don't think I see old people as ugly. I just see it as a different form of beauty. I just never thought it was ugly. Like when I was around 19, I had this picture of Georgia O'Keefe that I put up on my wall, and it was her in her 80s, and she was completely pruned up. And I used to look at it and think, oh, will I ever be that pretty? I just thought she's <laughs> stunning. I love the deep etched lines. I thought she looks like a tree. And I just, aesthetically speaking, I. I just don't think aging is ugly. I just don't. Now, yeah. do I think it's like, you know, hot and sexy and that <laughs> same way? No, but I think it's, there's a transcendent, no. I think no. there's a transcendent yes. beauty to it mm. that I like. And so, I mean, and really, am I going to want to, I don't know that I want to be like
2: out cranking in my 80s, like having <laughs> sex. So, I mean, I don't really care. Like, <laughs> you know i mean i just what you're saying is you would not necessarily tap that
1: <laughs> no no but i'm saying i think it's i think it's still beautiful i care about beauty i don't I, there's yeah I don't, I
2: don't know i'm i know exactly what you mean well I something I just, I just something you different. said
0: there jennifer was about um about not wanting to be objectified but kind of also maybe wanting to and i'm thinking about the aging and what you lo- what do you lose when you lose beauty because is it just beauty that you care about or is it something that comes with beauty or not and i'm not talking maybe i should rephrase beauty of youth because it's not yeah. i do agree with you there is a beauty that's to be found all through it's just that there's that one quality that quality, whatever it is, if we call it beauty, if we call it beauty of youth, if we call it sexual attractiveness, maybe that's more to the point But as we lose sexual attractiveness, as we age, what are, what are we losing that goes along with that? What is it we're actually trying to hold on to? And it's not this desire to be objectified per se, but it's a desire maybe to be validated, paid attention to told that we're important. And if you attach most of that, most if if you live in a time and a place when most of your value is attached to that then that's the thing you're going to get hooked on that because as yeah. you stop getting that kind of attention in life you yeah. become invisible and there's i guess right. maybe that's what you're trying to hold on to because i think uh it's the it's the act of trying to hold on to it when you try to grab it too tightly you crush it and, another metaphor that comes to mind for me that keeps coming up this is kind of disjointed I feel like I had a bunch of things I wanted to blurt out at the same time but um did you guys ever see this movie when you were a kid the last unicorn this cartoon movie
2: yes but I don't
0: I remember the name I loved it when I was a kid it's this it's this animated movie about a a unicorn who is the last one wants to find out why all the unicorns are gone and then her adventure to find the other unicorns and at one point she gets captured by this witch that puts a spell on her to give her a fake horn and this magician comes along and sees this and he says why did you put a fake horn on a real unicorn and she says because nobody can see the, the people don't see the horn anymore. People don't recognize the magic of the unicorn anymore. You have to put a fake horn for them to even realize that it's a unicorn. And I, I think this is kind of like dipping the strawberry in sugar. And yeah. it's kind of like trying to, um, trying to signal, trying to hold on to your beauty, trying to, Oh, I'm beautiful. So I'm going to do extra to be extra beautiful. And it's this, like, you're not going to recognize me unless I do more and more in order to make it bigger and bigger. And it's like, before you know it, you've yeah. got you, you've you've sugared it
1: up you've got boobs out yeah. here <laughs> well that's and pamela anderson stealing, yeah and people are stealing sex tapes from your house which <laughs> incidentally <laughs> she never she never got paid for and she was never able to keep those tapes from going public i mean she really mm-hmm. got exploited and didn't make any money off of it herself and was offered money and turned it down because she just wanted the tape back so
0: was that I how she became she, famous or was that after no stuff? that was that oh. was, after it
2: was
1: and so what what jenny is saying is true like beauty can be used for you and it can be used against you especially the type of beauty you have when you're young and considered sexually attractive which i think so much of that really is um i think so much of what's considered beautiful in women is determined by male sexual response and i think that's too narrow of a lens to look at it and i understand Mm -hmm. from a biological perspective why it's that way because that's how life gets started right Right. a guy's attracted to you he thinks you're hot you have sex you have kids so i'm not in any way putting down the importance of that because that's what keeps us all going and i'd like for humans to continue but it seems ridiculous to me that once there's that kind of window has closed or diminished because obviously couples meet in their 70s and enjoy active sex life. So I'm not saying that's not possible, but we all know it's not like that central focus anymore, right? Um, It's just interesting to me that automatically it's like, oh, you're considered less beautiful because you're literally not as dick-hardening. I'm like, no, it is just a different type of beauty. I see old people all the time where I'm transfixed by them, you know, because I just think, god they're so they're remarkable looking they're interesting looking and i I don't know i think we're looking at beauty too um too narrowly and too much through the lens of sexual attraction which it, it is important i'm not knocking it i think it's great and enjoy it enjoy it while you're young
0: well, it's interesting but to try to examine what's things. the value beneath that. What is it that that says about a culture or about people if that's what they're fixating on? There's something behind that or under it. What's the underlying value if that's all a culture values? I mean,
1: I think it's biologically driven, so I don't even criticize it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but it know. feels like a it feels like a record that's skipping in a way because it is biologically driven. But it's it's. Okay, so again, going back to the Barbie movie, there's the, the very opening scene is a bunch of little girls playing with baby dolls. They're they're nurturing their baby dolls. They're holding their they're feeding them with cups. And the narrator is kind of talking about, oh, before Barbie only this the girls could only play with baby dolls and it's like these little girls who are joyless and dreary slowly pushing a a pram and slowly you know lifting (laughs) a and and holding a baby but it's very gray and they look very drab and then it's like all of a sudden barbie enters the scene and and then all the girls are staring at this like giant barbie who's this the 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 lead actress and she's gorgeous and she's wearing just a little bathing suit and And the little girls are looking up in awe. And so then they shatter their baby dolls. They destroy oh, their babies. They they go through the God. process of physically destroying the baby dolls. And so what? I felt like, wow, this is really, really symbolic. And it's saying That's here, awful. we're going to basically replace the arc oh of what you could do as a woman. And you were only focusing on the That's output. You were one. only focusing on motherhood in your play. Okay. But now we're going to refocus you on sexuality, we're going to refocus you on attractiveness, but then we're going to break the babies. We're breaking oh them, God, so we're going to horrifying. stick you and stunt you in this one. It's like, and that's why I say it's like a record skipping. It's like you can never leave. You are always okay. going to be focused on the attractiveness,
1: and that wow, that's what passes for empowerment. The fucking truth is, there's nothing wrong with motherhood, and there's nothing wrong with getting old. These are the st- these are so the stages. Is maiden mother crone and it's right. it's fucking beautiful it's all good yes but Sorry, we've replaced
0: but in a in a culture i would posit that in a culture that is obsessed with with maiden you can replace crone and even mother to some extent with hag which is the that's a different thing
2: well not even i mean they're not even hags they're they're geriatric stuck. like that's worse isn't that isn't that kind of a a hag has a certain element of honesty to it like Mm -hmm. you don't like like madonna look runs around with her swollen like hideous face and you know she's got like incontinence problems she's probably like she looks that old and yet she has this like i mean it's just horrifying but like what you just said there leslie has literally made my blood boil like that is so that is exactly so what you're saying and i used to love Greta Gerwig movies which is why i d- deliberately didn't go to see this movie because i was like this is just going to drive me insane i don't want to do it i like her too much as a as a director and a filmmaker and now, now i'm fucking haters. her. So yeah. like, well watch it. See it
0: watch it for yourself and, and let me but know no, if you if you want that's so
2: important that's like, my that spin that's so important because what what she is she is celebrating and even you know going ha- to do this hagiography on is replacing the power and permanence of motherhood with a fake uh, ideal of hyper-sexualized plastic beauty. And how is this woman supposed to be a fucking feminist? Excuse me for, for swearing, but like that makes me insane because there's nothing more powerful <clears throat> in this world except maybe if you're president of the United States and you can literally start a war or you're, you're a, a hedge fund with billions of dollars under your your control, there's no single individual that is more powerful than a freaking mother. Like, it doesn't exist. And this intense obsession with denigrating the mother and making her into this downtrodden, like, pathetic, put-upon, sexless, joyless, neurotic figure is literally the most anti-woman thing I can imagine ever happening. Because you are literally responsible for the future when you become a mother when you raise a child you are responsible for the future fuck climate change fuck trump none of those issues matter compared to an individual mother just going about her business and doing her job like that is what shapes the future and this media mesmerizing narrative of like oh but it wasn't so great when we finally got rid of our shackles of being a mother what shackles of being a mother first of all it's a joy it's a joy. Second of all, hard work is what makes life worth living, okay? Not endless cocktail parties and cosmopolitans and barbie shoes and nonsense like sex in the city. Okay. And then we have a legacy. We have a legacy that we leave to the future. And then we have we we get this perspective on time, which is truly profound if we are paying attention and we're not falling for the bullshit that society is telling us. Mm-hmm. We're watching our children go from these helpless infants to these independent little creatures, to these newly formed adults. And it's incredible. It's incredible. So I saw this quote recently that mothers are nature's philosophers. We are instinctive philosophers because we are watching life unfold. And there's literally nothing that is more interesting and powerful than that. So go fuck yourself with your Barbies and your nonsense that changing diapers is some like un- unbelievable burden like you were lucky to have someone to do it for you why not do it for someone else it's not a burden it's not a burden if it's a burden the mother is doing it wrong and it's her fault i'm sorry yeah and maybe it's society to blame like we don't have cheap childcare. blah 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 but no no ultimately fundamentally if you are perceiving motherhood to be a burden you are accepting a very very toxic lie about 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 humanity itself and especially about women and i you know this idea that we should be running around chasing careers why i mean i've worked for i've worked for powerful men okay like not super powerful men but like men who ran agencies and one thing i really learned was when that my first boss retired he was the guy right he he was driven around with police protection and in a, in a in a big suv with tinted windows and you know he gave speeches and he met presidents and all this stuff and the minute he retired nobody mentioned his name again Nobody mentioned his name again. His picture went up on the wall and everyone forgot about him. Okay. That is the nature. Do you think his family forgot about him? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. That's right. How powerful you are in your life. Nobody remembers Jimmy Carter. Like whoever talks about Jimmy Carter, he was a freaking president. Okay. So like this idea that you should be going around chasing validation of the world in, in the form of professional ambition. I mean, yeah, I, I, I had professional ambition. I still have professional ambition. It is a worthy goal, but not at the expense of everything that that requires, you know, some humility and some sacrifice and some wisdom in your family dynamic. And that being a parent is all of those things. So that really, really grinds my gears about that Barbie movie because, and it, you're exactly right, it completely freezes the woman in the least interesting part of her life, which just so happens to be the part of her life where she also has the nicest tits. So, oh, that is a, mm-hmm. that is a side benefit to the eyes of men. But, yeah. Uh, it's also, but it's not, it's actually not because, you know, actual men don't want young, dumb women. Okay. They don't. They might want them for like a one night stand or, or, you know, to ogle out or whatever. But really, everybody knows that every successful partnership requires two equals, two intellectual equals who can work together and put aside their bullshit and go forward as a team and that's not you're not going to get that from a bimbo and you're not going to get that from a barbie you're just not you're just not so that makes me insane like this makes me insane this this idea and and, and you're right the maiden mother crone those are the three stages okay and the three of us are transitioning from the mother stage to the crone stage just in terms of our life like are the the seasons of our life mm-hmm. but this is why women aren't respected in america we're run, run running around and saying like Feminism, this feminism, that feminism is bullshit. Feminism does not have an analysis of motherhood at all, except it's either like a a left-wing analysis that says like, oh, free childcare, or it's like a a, you know a pop feminist analysis where like children are such a fucking drag. Like neither of those analyses are are they they both denigrate motherhood. They both they they both locate the locus of oppression of 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 women on their bodies when that's not the entire story and it's not. In fact, it's very decontextualized, um, and that we're running around and being like, "Why are women in America so goddamn unhappy?" Well, maybe because they're not allowed to age. They're mm-hmm. not allowed to age, yeah. and they're not allowed to accrue wisdom. They're actively disincent—they're disincentivized from accruing the wisdom that comes with age by constantly being stuck in the cycle of of, of 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 perfection and having and and these expectation on the women that they have to do everything. They have to be hot. They have to be the mom. They have to be perfect moms. They have to do bake sales. This, So I know we're running out of time. I could literally talk about this for another hour, but I just got back from Italy, and I want to say before we wrap up, like that was a it's a very good place to start when you want to analyze beauty, because first of all, it's an incredibly beautiful country, and the people are very beautiful. But they're very beautiful in all their stages of life, and the old Italian woman and the old Italian man, but let's just talk about the woman for now, are the most beautiful thing to behold like you have like the upper class women sit around in the piazza in the bar you know the bar like the cafe at midday on a sunday before they go to lunch and they're already drinking and they're smoking and they've got their purse and they've got their scarf and their hair's all set and they've got their nice jewelry on and you're as it's like hilarious like they look so damn classy and yet they're day drinking right (laughs) okay first of all i love that that's great and then the the more like the more like working class or, you know, the the women from the countryside have the deep characterful faces. They're incredibly competent. They have enormous power in the community. They have huge value in the community. Okay. And they are treated with respect. They are treated with respect. So somehow like this American society, which has all been about empowering women for my entire lifetime, still hasn't figured out how to treat older women with respect because they don't have any wisdom and they are trapped in the Barbie stage. So down with Barbie. I never liked Barbie anyway, even as a girl.
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's interesting when you're talking about the being trapped in the Barbie stage, you, you used a phrase, you said it was the least interesting part of the woman's yes. life. And I thought that was interesting because it is the, it is the part of your life when you're more of a consumable for others yeah. and so you're more working on cultivating an outward projection and so there's less cultivation of self than in any other part of the life cycle the you know the the identity formation and exploration of childhood gives way to this this exportation of self outward and then if the arc continues you go into motherhood which is the formation of self around the care of another and then the family grows and then the the care for others continues but it's with right. it's it's not an outward consumable it's more right. of a doing instead of just right. a being so that's really interesting i i think yeah as you said we could spend hours just talking about this topic i mean
2: i feel like as you're, as your you age you Especially, especially in terms of family formation, but not exclusively, even in, even in a professional setting, as a woman ages, her value should go up because she is more useful and she is more intelligent and she is more powerful. Like the more your children age and the more children you have, really, in theory, your, your power should be increasing with, with each child, or with each year, with each sort of, even, even in a job setting. I think it would apply as well to a job, but it's, it's the opposite in the United States. Yeah, it is. It's, the it's interesting. Yeah, and that's a that's a very that does that does women real bad, but it also does men bad as well because men and women have such symbiotic relationships that what is bad for men is bad for women, and what is bad for yeah. women is bad for women. Yeah, exactly, I
1: believe that too. Even if we don't know it, and even if they don't know it, it, right. it is ultimately bad for them. Yeah,
2: it is bad for them
0: yeah um, the attractiveness you know, I, is representative of potential but then everything yes, else is the actual it's exactly it's like is. you move from the potential yes. stage into the actual implementation the actual real life
2: mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. and that's why in very in traditional and patriarchal societies beauty was associated with frivolity the young girl was always frivolous And she was highly valued for her mating capability, especially from amongst, I was just reading a book about the Borgias, about Lucrezia Borgia. So she was highly valued for her beauty, um, but it was always a very, it was an extremely temporary thing. And, um, you know, that, and there was a, the patriarchal male world would be very quick to remind a young, beautiful girl that, you are you are for this for the grave as just as much as everyone else. Mm. So check your check your 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 arrogance. Mm. And of course, there's a huge downside to that. Like you don't want a bunch of like priests running around berating pretty young women necessarily. But um, but that that they there there is that point of like it was everyone was very aware of how finite that was and how short life was in general. You know everyone was going to end up a skeleton. So you know and are you going to end up in a hell or in heaven? So, you know, that's gone too. And I mean, I think that this, this, uh, this the, the way we've image drenched society now, especially around female beauty, I think has, I think fuels, I think the, the plastic surgery thing is connected to the trans thing. So it's not just about like, you know, trans being gay. I think it's, it's also to do with the plastic surgery epidemic. And I think that women themselves have um, a, such a tortured relationship you know, on the whole, to their own bodies and what the bodies really, what what they represent in terms of reproduction, that, that American women, at least in the mainstream discourse, have such a tortured relationship to that. That men, tra- trans, trans-identifying men, AGPs in particular, are seeing they they I very weirdly there's something there that they see the power and the beauty in the parts of the women's body that women have been taught to despise and loathe and, and, sh- and be ashamed of, and they're appropriating it. And so they're coming in like these creepy little fucking vampires and they're like, Oh, well, I want to have a period and I want to have a period cramp and I want to do this and I want to do that. And I want to breastfeed all of these things that women have been banging on about for like my entire lifetime as, a, as being sources of our oppression, but the, they're not like, there's something very primordial about our understanding of the fact that they're not. Right, culture is telling us that they're oppressive, but really, we deep down inside, my opinion is probably kind of out there that they're not, and we somehow know that. We somehow know it makes us special. We somehow know it makes us um, the the kind of the torch the torch holders, the standard bearers of, of humanity, because we have the reproductive function. And there's this this folk this relentless focus on that has has created this like subculture of men who are running around trying to claim it for themselves because we've thrown it away.
0: Hmm. That's fascinating. I would love to dive into that. Jennifer, do you have any final thoughts? I know we need to wrap up and I want to jump all over what Jenny was saying, Mm -hmm. but, and, and talk about it further, but I know we need to be mindful of time.
1: Wow! No, I feel like um, every time the three of us have a conversation, it's so juicy. But then all these other little kind of avenues <laughs> open up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to explore that and that and that. It's just so fun. So thank you, to both of you
2: yeah, guys. Yeah, I agree. Today. Sorry, I just totally went on a rant there. No, we... I love it. I apologize. No, <laughs> it's a good. It's a good yeah. rant. Good
0: Bring the rants. Rant. Well, we, we need to set a time to do this again so we can uh, right. keep following the trail where it leads. But thank you both for, for doing this I today. I
2: really enjoy it.
0: Me too. I'll see you guys next time.
1: Thanks, guys. Bye.